It's been six years of podcasting, and without our sponsors, we wouldn't be able to bring these podcasts to you. So I want to thank today's sponsors. And first off, we have the Pretentious Pickle Company of 190 Water Street in Plymouth. Uh, If you haven't had a chance to get down there, uh, go down and check out what they make. They have everything pickled you can imagine from uh, pickled beets to carrots to mushrooms to onions to Brussels sprouts and cauliflower. They even have pickled um, uh, or pickled flavor cotton candy, I should say. They make it fresh there every day, and you can go in there and check out what they have to offer. And if you're not in the Plymouth area, you can go to pretentiouspickle.com and check out what they have to offer there as well, and they will ship it out to you. Their stuff is delicious. You should check it out. And uh, they are big fans of ours, and we are big fans of theirs. So thank you to the Pretentious Pickle Company for sponsoring today's episode. And our second sponsor today is Moonrise Cinemas. Moonrise Cinemas is a new drive-in in Plymouth. Uh, right on the Plymouth-Kingston line. They're located at 428 Court Street in Plymouth, Mass. And they offer a great selection of movies. You can go. It's very family-friendly. I went and checked out The Goonies there. They've had Marvel movies, a wide variety of stuff. And they're really starting to expand. They have had uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. This coming year, they're doing music on thursday nights on wednesdays are going to be 420 friendly events so make sure you check out what they have to offer uh, moonrisecinemas.com it's a great venue they have a beer garden they have uh their own food their food's phenomenal and they're bringing back their french toast which i'm very excited about uh, so make sure you check out what they have to offer, moonrisecinemas.com. And if you use in code INEBRIART when purchasing tickets, you'll get 10% off. So make sure you go to moonrisecinemas.com to get your tickets for movies, concerts, and more. And use code INEBRIART for 10% off on your purchase. And now let's jump right into the podcast. Welcome back, Inebriates. This is Andy, as always, on the Inebriate Podcast. And we are always trying to bring new and interesting creative types onto the show. Oh, uh, I'm joined today by my co-host of the Olconic. I always forget about you, Hannah. I, I do that all the time. <laughs> it's okay. Hannah from the Olconic Cast is joining in today. What's up, Hannah? Hey, this is new. I I like fully expected you to do that. I should have given you a heads up. <laughs> well, you know, at this point, yeah. Whatever. It's, <laughs> get used to it. It's we're like a hundred <laughs> episodes in. It's not going to change. Um. So uh, yeah. So we're bringing in new and creative people, and um, we went to Hannah, myself, and Fish went to King Richard's Fair, and they have their performers, and when you can get a news radio personality slash circus performer why not uh so jack lepiars very well very did I, well did i get it all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the show man thank you good to be here so i think the thing that intrigued me most was the kind of random mix of kind of creative fields you're in 
So yeah. how does, how the how hell, does one become how the a circus happened? performer slash news person? So um, I, I think it really goes back to my weird dichotomy of growing up, which is my father was and still is a circus performer. Mm-hmm. And my mother is now a retired college professor with a doctorate. So very different worlds, very different parenting styles. I mean, actually not really different parenting styles, but very different sort of, I think, ideas of where they wanted me to go. My father was fine with me performing. My mother did not like my performing at all. Um, (laughs) And so I, from a very young age, had it very much instilled in me, you're going to get an education, you're going to go join the real world. Um, But at the same time, I was, you know, when, when I was performing, I was like, I can make so much better money doing, you know, going out to Harvard Square in Boston and doing a street show than I can, you know, working at Cold Stone Creamery for six bucks an hour, because that was my first job. (laughs) <laughs> you know, yeah. Or working, there's my cat, uh, or working, um, at an ice cream shop for, you know, eight bucks an hour, two summers later, you know, it was, it was sort of like, okay, I can make much better money doing this. So why don't I do this? And then when it, even by the point it got to the point where I, you know, I no longer needed to perform because my, my journalism career had gotten to the point where it could pay the bills. I was still like, this is still good money, uh, yeah. for, what amounts to at this point, 13, 14 weekends of extra work a year. And I was like, well, let's, let's keep this going. Let's do it as long as we can. And that's where we are. So is it just King Richard's fair? No, that's not 13 weeks. Is it 13 weeks? No, no. So King Richard's is eight, um, 18 days total with the two, three day weekends. But then um, in years past, I've done Louisiana, the Louisiana Renaissance fair, couple of other random shows that pop up here and there i did new jersey for a few years but it's been a couple of years since i've been back yeah um i may be back there in 2023 um but it's sort of you know everything is kind of on a year-to-year basis yeah so i hesitate to say oh i'll definitely be back there next year oh especially now i mean who yeah. who knows but so so your dad was like, did he legit perform, like traveled the circus, elephants, tents, that whole sort of thing? When, so when I was born, we were touring with the Big Apple Circus. So we did that until I was six. Uh, and at one of the stops, our trailer was right next to the elephants. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they, they smell. Fun yeah. fact. Um, did he, was the, he also whip, whip based? Whip, whip, uh, well, whip. I don't Is know. Is there a title for that? Whip, whippersnapper. I don't know. Uh, I, th- I think just whipcracker works. Yeah. But no, he wasn't whip based per se, but he certainly did whips. You know, some of the routines I do are actually old whip routines of his. Um, mm-hmm. But he, I mean, he does, he does a little bit of everything. He does magic. He does balancing. He does uh, whips. He does knife throwing. Um, he does what he did this past year at King Richards. He does a tablecloth routine where he'll stack up pitchers on the table pull the tablecloth out of it, nothing falls. And then the big thing he does is he has a child sit on a chair on the table and then pulls the tablecloth out from underneath them. Wow. I feel like that's, God, how do you get insurance for that? (laughs) I feel like nowadays, like, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. So at what point did you, I mean, were you like, did you get like baby's first whip? Like how did (laughs) start getting, I, well, I cracked a whip when I I first cracked a whip when I was seven, we were working um, at like a summer camp in Pennsylvania, I think. And we were, we were teaching circus as part of like their special activity week or something. And so I learned how to crack a whip, which like in hindsight, 
means that my father was just handing out whips to children, you know, six and seven years old and being like, here, give it a shot. Good luck. <laughs> and like, you couldn't pay me enough money to like, to, to do that um, without like putting them in a full suit of armor first. Yeah. But um, so that was where I learned to crack the whip, but it wasn't until I was older because I went through this phase where I wanted nothing to do, do with the circus until I, you know, got a regular job, made six bucks an hour, hated it. Um, and my dad called me up, was like, Hey, I need you to help me with this show. It'll be $200 for a day's worth of work. And I was like, well, okay, that that's much better. Yeah. And then I started learning some of the tricks that I needed to learn. He got me a whip for Christmas when I was 17, my senior year <laughs> of high school. <laughs> and I took that out in the backyard and basically trained with it for probably at least an hour a day, basically until the spring. And then I was, I kind of got most of the tricks that I had now down in that time span. I got to assume that like there were like, have you ever like really hurt? I've hit myself so many times. Um, as far as like really hurt myself, I've hit myself in the eye two or three times. Um, that including like the first day when I was seven and I was terrified because <laughs> one, I was like, did I just blind myself? And two, my father, who I was terrified of, you know, just because like he's a big, strong guy with whips. Yeah. Um, had been like, don't do anything stupid with the whips. So and then, of course, I go and I try and do something stupid and I hit myself in the face in the eye. And then you're like, oh, it was no. an icicle that fell off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you'll shoot. Yeah, exactly. You'll shoot your eye out. No, yeah. it was exactly what it was. I was trying like so hard to cover it up. I don't think he noticed. He's never mentioned it and he didn't mention it then. Um, but as far as I think the worst I ever got myself actually was at King Richard's Fair. We used to do a bit towards the end of the show with the torture show back when it was a two person act. Yep. Um, give us a dollar. And we'll do something stupid. And it was either one of us would get whipped or one of us would get hit over the head with a cookie sheet. And okay. uh, they they put in the money for the getting whipped. And so I went to go do a sort of a side crack um, to wrap it around the the guy I was working with. And it got That's caught Seth, on a rock Seth or Carney? something. This was Wick. Um, oh, okay. Sess was like walking around and like, put a dollar in the hat, folks. <laughs> And so I, I go to, to, to crack the whip and it must've got caught on a rock or something. Cause it came right across the back of my neck and it like, it left a cut. Ugh. And so, and because it, it did that, it didn't crack, which means it actually hurt more when it hit whip wick. Oh, so wow. I'm holding my, I'm holding my neck. Wick's holding his side and says, is why I was like, folks, that's what we call a two for now. Put <laughs> <in the> <laughs> anything to get another dollar that's funny yeah exactly and then like I, I was still in college at the time and i'm in class like two days later and i just hear like feel someone like tap me on the shoulder and they're like jack what happened to your neck i'm like <laughs> i just look at them and i just make the motion of a whip crack and they're like oh okay we, never, we, don't, care. <laughs> we, we don't care anymore yeah that's how do you even like when you meet someone new and they're like, Oh, what do you do for a living? Like, do you just be like, oh, I'm a journalist and not even get into the, it's, it's hard because like even saying I'm a journalist invites a whole different set of questions. Yeah. So it's really a, a question of, of how much do I want to go into what I do? Um, and de depending on how much I think I'm going to see this person slash how much I want to talk to this person, it's, 
a lot of like, I might just say like, oh, I work in radio and just move on from there. Um, but if it's um, someone that I'll probably talk to a little bit more, I'll say, yeah, I work in radio or I work, I work for the NPR affiliate in Boston. Um, and I usually don't bring up the circus just because that's, that's a conversation I've had literally since I was five years old, every time I meet someone and yeah. I've, I've had to have conversations with friends of mine. I'm like, can you stop introducing me as, Hey, this is Jack. He works in the circus because <laughs> I've had that conversation so many times in my life. I'm like, yes, I grew up in the circus. My dad was in the circus. I learned how to crack whips because I want to learn the cool tricks. You know, it's like, it's all those questions you've gotten a million times. Um, and by all means, don't shy say, away from those I'm questions. I'm glad we totally because, started with those yeah. exact questions. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, I, I'm used to it uh, by this point. But um, it, it was in, funny. in a normal personal conversation, I don't necessarily yeah. want to leave with that. It's so funny. Like I had this conversation, I was doing an interview with a musician yesterday and somehow a very similar conversation came up and she was saying, oh, she doesn't get asked what she does. And I'm like, I get asked constantly and I never know how to answer it. I'm like, I think I'm just going to like start saying I'm like a dentist or just pick a, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a welder and just yeah. leave it at that. Well, I'd imagine it's the same for you. You, you know, what do you do? Oh, I'm, a, I'm a podcaster. And it's like, what podcast do you do? Where can I find it? What do you yeah. talk about? What do you do? Okay, all right. And then that like cuts out like the whole like event stuff that we so I'm like, yeah, it's really hard to explain. And so then I'll be like, oh, you know, we, you know, create and pre uh, promote events and we create online content. And they're like, well, what do you and, and then it becomes like a whole yeah. conversation. Wow. I've yeah. never felt luckier to just be a retail manager. <laughs> <laughs> you got to start adding in the podcast. There, Hannah. Yeah, you have fans. I'm one day <laughs> <laughs> takes the ease off the conversation for me for sure <laughs> yeah. um so and then how long you've have you been in wait how, how long you've been in radio let's start there. uh radio i started doing um in boston in 2006 actually went in period not just in boston 2006 I came to Emerson College. They have a really good college radio station. So I went yeah. and I worked there for four years. When I graduated, I interned at WBUR and got a job right out of school. So go back to 06. So that's 15 years, 16 years at this point, 16 years in the fall. Jeez. And I've been at BUR since 2010. Uh, and I count the internship because I was doing a lot of stuff, you know, that I then continued doing as a, as a freelancer and as a full-time person. Um, so January, 2010, so 12 years at BUR. And, and when you got into radio, was, was it like news that you wanted to do, or is that just kind of like where the internship ended up? I did a semester doing like D DJing music at yeah. ERS, my college station and immediately knew I was like, this is not for me. Um, music has never been something that I know a lot about. Um, it's like sort of, I'll know what's popular. I know what used to be popular, but it's, there are these big gaps in my musical knowledge. I couldn't tell you like, oh, the drummer of that band was also did a side project with this band. And, you know, I, that kind of stuff has never had any kind of sticking power in my brain. And when I was DJing, I just felt like, and that was that song we just played coming up. Here's this song that we're about to play. <laughs> yeah. So it was, and I, I just, I kind of just found it boring. Um, whereas news, I felt like, okay, there's a little bit more, a little more something going on. I have to be a little bit more invested. I have to know what I'm talking about a little bit more, obviously. <laughs> and, and I'm almost afraid to ask, like, what was that like over the past, like two and a half, three years? You know, it was when it, 
when it first started, it was funny because one, I was the only anchor at BUR who never got sent home to record from home or broadcast from home. Oh, really? Um, I think they, they wanted to always have at least one person in the building just yeah. in case like technology exploded. We need someone to go on the air right now. Yeah. Um, the other issue is I have a cat who is the loudest cat you will ever meet in your life. <laughs> and I'm shocked that he hasn't said anything yet while we've been recording. Uh, but he and I have full conversations. And I, I did it like test record in, in my bedroom one time. I was like, all right, let me close the door. And I started recording. And within 30 seconds, you hear on the other side of the door, scratch, 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 there we go. I don't know if you heard that, but um, yeah, no, he's, he's, he's a very loud cat. And I was like, it's, it's not going to work unless you want, want Scipio the cat to join in for our newscasts. What was his name? Scipio. Okay. All my, all my cats are named after like old Roman leaders and Roman generals, which I always feel like needs to be followed up with. Like, I'm not one of those weird people who's like, the Roman empire was awesome and we should go back to that because I feel like it's been co-opted by certain political elements. And I'm like, I just like, I've liked Roman history since I was <laughs> in my sixth grade. Why are people like showing up with like Roman legionary mottos at weird protests? But <laughs> now that that's out of the way. <laughs> so do you find that these two kind of sides of yourself scratch a different creative itch i would say so you know with it's it's weird because it's almost like diametric opposites in terms I would say of so. that, to me that's how the you fascinating part well yeah because in at bur or in, in journalism you're never supposed to be the story but in performing everything's about you you are you know you are the draw you're you're the yeah. reason you know you're, you have the audacity to assume that people will sit in your benches and watch you and just you for 30 minutes. Um, so it's, it's a very weird kind of mindset shift, uh, first off. Um, but it's, it is nice um, because sort of, I think performing gives me, for lack of a, a, of a better way to describe it, the tension that I crave. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Whereas, yeah. yeah, whereas being... I think being on the air and, and, and working in journalism, I feel like I can do something uh, a little bit more meaningful. Um, mm -hmm. Not to say that making people laugh and being able to forget their troubles is not meaningful because I think that's extraordinarily important right now. But, um, you know, keeping people informed um, in, you know, March of 2020 was far more important than making people laugh at that point in time. Yeah. So it's, it's, I would say, I don't know if creative, scratching a creative itch is the right way to describe what I do in, in journalism, but it does feel like I get, I'm, I'm able to have a little bit more purpose to my work. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, I feel satisfied from, from what I do, both in performing and, and on the radio, but um, there's a, it's a different kind of satisfaction. It, it's, it's almost like, uh, you know, job security. It's like, let me bum you out with the news and then yeah, you right. <laughs> cheer you up on my show. <laughs> Well, you know, if you're so sick, yeah, no, we actually, we had a joke uh, at King Richard's one time of the, the MC of the show. I was not in this show, but the MC goes, if you are a part of any sort of fake news organization, please leave now. I stick my head up in the curtains like, dude, I'm right here. Come on. <laughs> Just go right back. And what made you make 
Jacques. I'm gonna do air quotes. French. 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 Yeah. French. Um, so this was the the conversation I had with my dad in 2007, which was when I was trying to go from street performing to start doing Renaissance fairs. Which is my dad, who had a very successful Renaissance act for many years, he said the point of Renaissance fairs. Not the point, um, but you can have a very successful Renaissance Fair act with very little actual skill. Um, the comedy is more important. The character is more important. And so you already have the skills is what he told me. What you need is you need the character to make those skills appealing. And so we were sort of going, you know, figuring out what, what Jack the Whipper, which is what my stage name at the time was, what his personality was going to be. And my dad just kind of threw, I was like, oh, you could even be French and draw a little, little, little French mustache. Oh, that'd be, that'd be great. I am Jack the Whipper. Ha, ha, ha. And I was like, that's really dumb. That's really <laughs> dumb. And I wanted nothing to do with it. I was like, all right, you know, it's, if I don't do that, I'm gonna have to do a, an English accent. So I, I guess I'll be French instead. I, t- I, I took seven years of French in middle school through college. So I'm like, all right, you know, my French is passable. So I tried that. I did not draw on the mustache at first. Yeah. And then, and it went, it went fine. Um, and then like the last day of the opening weekend, I was like, all right, let me, let me try drawing on the mustache. So I drew on the mustache and it was like, everything clicked. People understood that it was a comedy show. They understood that it was a dumb show. They understood that you're supposed to laugh. And now I really like it because it kind of diffuses, I think the tension that comes with whips at times where people are like, why is that guy got a whip? what's he do on his own time yeah and you know i think just having making people understand that the show doesn't take itself all that seriously helps a lot so that i think that was sort of the the initial conversation and then sort of how the show's you know evolved to that point a lot of it has been sort of just unintentional of like figuring out where the character is and just going from there yeah i mean that's one of the things like i really like about ren fair is is you know, you can go to like Plymouth Plantation or Plymouth Patuxet, whatever they're calling it. And, yeah. um, you know, where they stay in character, like a Ren Fair is more like a medieval dad joke. Like the whole thing <laughs> is like bad puns and intentionally moderately okay jokes told with like, huh, it's bad, oh, right? So that's so, that's so true. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's and 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 I, I, you know I, I cringe because I'm like the worst offender in terms of that. <laughs> of dad they're jokes. like they're like dedicated. Oh yeah, they're like dedicated points for dad jokes in there. I mean, I, I've got the yeah. whole soliloquy of Nicolas Cage references while holding a Nicolas Cage pillowcase. Oh right, right, right. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you got to you got to keep your animals in a cage if you're dealing with wild animals. It's very important. That's right. Um, what is your favorite dad joke outside of your act? Do you have it? Outside of my act? Oh man. I think, I think it's, I think I got to go with the classic, which is just hi dad or hi hungry. I'm dad. That's just like, there's always, there's, there's, it's so universal. Yeah. It's so disdained and it's so you can adjust it for any moment in time. You know, if you say this is the Inebriate podcast, you know, you could say, hi, Inebriate podcast, I'm, I'm, I'm dad. Or if you say, um, I think, uh, let's see, I think I'm cold. Hi, hi, cold, I'm dad. You know, there's, there's so many ways to evolve that joke, not evolve, but reuse it. Yeah. And that's what that makes a good dad joke is you can just kind of like 
use it over it's over. almost the my, opposite uh, it's almost the opposite of an, of a good act where a good act you're trying to keep fresh and a dad joke is best when it's not yeah but i mean like i have certain certain spots in my show where like the comedy has to change year year to year mm-hmm. um there's the one where i say you know if i'm french uh, if, if I, French isn't, being French is an excuse for anything that may go wrong in the show. If I trip on the stage, I'm French. If I slip up on my words, I am French. And then it's some sort of topical reference. Um, so the year that Game of Thrones finished, it was a long diatribe about Game of Thrones. If I should, uh, decide to run a, a series that has been built up and been awesome all, all, you know, seven seasons with a terrible Lack of closure and awfulness. I'm, I'm not French, but I'm still just working through that. Sorry, guys. And then this year, this year it was, um, if I should suddenly break out into a, hello, we've been trying to reach you about your car's extended warranty. <laughs> so that's, I don't know if that's quite a dad joke, but it's definitely, it's not a great joke. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> that, but that's, that's the fun part of it is it's that kind of like, you know, uh, dad Christmas cracker joke that like, I love making those jokes and people be like, it's not funny. I'm like, I'm making me laugh. I don't care if you're laughing. I'm having a good time. As, <laughs> as, as Seth has said many times, you know, it's like half the time we're just up here to amusing ourselves. You're just along for the ride. <laughs> and now, now you, now you do, a, you do a pretty good Seth. Uh, I well, I feel like I just always turned him into like some weird like trucker cowboy type, which is not what he is. He he looks he, like that's what he sounds like. <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah. He he has the greatest movie man voice of any real human being I've ever met. And like I work in radio, I've met a lot of really good voices, but he is just like in a world like I can't even do it. I can't. Yeah. But he's just he gets that resonance. He gets that timber. And you guys now do like a a closing show, or at least you did it this year. Is that something that you've been doing for a while? The secret show. The The secret show. show. We've been doing this. um, This actually started in 2010 and it's had many different iterations. Um, But so the secret show, I mean, do you want the full history of the secret show or? I mean, is it a secret? It's it used to be a secret, <laughs> not anymore. Sure. Um, we had a we had a woman working there. Her name was Scarlet Letter. Okay. And it was a joke off the Scarlet Letter, and basically that she was just a very loose woman, and her show was all about her being a very loose woman. So she would start the day with an A on her chest. Yeah. And then after a couple hours, it would go to an E on her chest, and then it would like by the end of the day, she would be at X or as she would say, Z because she was Canadian. But yeah. um, so she invited me and the Washington went to just do like a stupid improv show at the end of the day. And I was like, yeah, sure. Make some, make some extra money in the hat, whatever. Yeah. Um, so we started doing that. She left after one year. We tried to do it on ourselves. It didn't really work all that much. We didn't do it for a year. And then we had a bunch of different variety acts there that were all willing to give it a shot and commit to doing it as well. So it was me, Paulo Garbanzo, Acrobatrics, um, who at the time were performing as Vicious and Delicious. And we kind of put together a show. And then after two years, I think both Paolo and Acrobatrics were gone. So it was just kind of like me and Sess left. And I was like, well, let's, let's see what we can put together. And at yeah. this point, it's, we've gone on three or four years where every, every year the secret show is completely different. And 
about 50% of it is improvised at this point, I would say. Like we have, it's sort of like, if I were, if I were to ask you to, to, play out a, an improvised acting scene, mm-hmm. you know, I would say like the, le- the the lines aren't written down, but you need to, you know, in, in, in the course of this scene, establish that, I don't know, your son is missing and that you want a divorce and you figure out a way to get there. To get and that's there, kind right. of where we are. As so I like you kind of extremely have like, dark things. But, but you kind of have like, uh, like these are the tricks or stunts we want to perform. Yeah. And then you basically. weave your way to it. Yeah. And there are certain like, setup lines like with with the um the french accent focus bit um which of course the french is pronounced focus um i told ses i was like just at some point during the show doesn't matter where you just need to make fun of my french accent and just say that it's bad yeah and you you can figure out how you want to do it but when once you do that i will do this yeah nice and so when these shows change or you want to make the changes to your own act, like how much time goes into that? Cause I'm assuming the tricks are relatively the same. Yeah. So the tricks, um, it, it depends. I mean, so like certain tricks you really need to rehearse, um, yeah. certain tricks you can kind of do once or twice. And you're like, I have a feel for this or like, you know, just my basic proficiency and whipping, I don't need to put in a ton of rehearsal. And if I mess up, it's not a huge deal. Right. The tricks where if I do mess up, it's a big deal. Those are the ones that I will make sure that I'm practicing properly, making sure that, you know, I know how to do them. Um, but as far as writing new material, what takes the longest is the comedy and figuring out where the jokes are and how to make it flow without feeling like it was just popped into the show for no reason at all. Um, And so this past year I added the bit where I I whip a target in between my legs and I, I warned the audience straight up front, you know, I was like, look, this is still a new act. I'm still figuring out some of the jokes. Um, I'm I'm still figuring out the trick a little bit. Um, But the, you know, I was like, you know, I, I even turned that into a joke where I was saying, you know, we are still working out some of the kinks in this trick, which I have been told is a word you should not use in a whip act, but nevertheless, (laughs) here we are. So I, I don't know, as as far as time wise, I'm not sure how long it takes. Um, I, I would say it it really depends on how much time I can get to rehearse. And that's, that's the issue, you know, with a full-time job, do I have time to commit to this new bit? Um, you know, I have one bit that I've wanted to put in the show for 10 years, but it, re- you know, would probably require six months of performing and strength to be able to do it properly and not mess it up. Cause it's a trick that you can't mess up. Yeah. So, and so is that kind of balance between like your work and your, I don't know, do you call it your side hustle? Like, or is it just another, I, I, I think I call one my job and the other my real job. Yeah. But yeah, side hustle works as well. Um, I, I always, it's funny because I always jokingly say that BUR is my real job, even though I have obviously have an appreciation for the arts. I think arts are a real job. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I said that too, to another performer one time. I was like, well, you know, I have a real job. I didn't mean it as a diss. Yeah, but he absolutely took it that way. It's like I'm so sorry. I didn't, it's like, if there's anyone who's going to appreciate, you know, people who work in the circus, it's going to be the person who grew up in the circus, right? So but it, it it is a weird, like, you know, I got laid off from my nine to five day job because of COVID, yep. and now I'm full time with an art. 
And when people say to me, be like, oh, you know, you're not going to get a real job. I get really like, what do you mean? But yeah. then I say the same thing. And it's like, yeah, why do I get so mad when other people say? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's the, it's it's the kind of thing where just the nature of the way it's delivered, you got to get a real job is yeah. the emphasis on the word real is just immediately comes across as standoffish or dismissive. And that's, yeah. I think, the problem for a lot of people. But I mean, yeah, we all I mean. This is a real job. This absolutely is your real job. And, you know, it's a real job for many people and it's providing a valuable service. Um, I've seen the meme a couple of times, which is, you know, just remember that when the world shut down, that you turned to artists to keep you sane. Yeah, for sure. It, That's I mean, important thing to remember. I don't know if we would call Tiger King mm-hmm. artists, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. That kind of ties in. I, oh, yeah. That does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, just... that's got a season two doesn't it Hannah yeah I, don't um, know. I didn't watch it I um, didn't I honestly didn't make it through the full entirety of the first season I, I managed to I had a lot of nothing to do yeah. <laughs> and I just, yeah. you know didn't have enough uh, wherewithal to just be like I don't it, it was just a dark time and I just didn't oh yeah didn't want to make it any darker. Well, it was just like yeah. one of those, like it just, I, I didn't even have the mental capacity to be like, this is garbage. It was just like, this. Is, I know it's garbage and I'm just going to let it run. Yeah. 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 It was, it was interesting because going back to that whole, you know, I was always in the office. I had never got sent home for quarantine. Yeah. It was like, I was looking at all my friends who were like, I have all this time to like learn these new skills or learn these, these new hobbies. And I'm just like, I don't know. I've got an extra half hour because it doesn't take as long to drive to and from the office, I guess. (laughs) But it's, it's interesting because we only started doing zoom interviews because of COVID and now we're continuing it. But um, I would say it's almost a 50, 50 split between creatives that were like, Oh, I have so much more time to work and I'm spending the whole thing in the studio and I have a whole new album. And then people like myself who were like, I have zero creative interest. I, you know, have been watching YouTube for the past four days and couldn't tell you what I'm watching because I don't remember. Like it was just, it was so, so soul sucking that just like that kind of lack of being able to get out. And I'm just didn't, it wasn't good. Yeah. I've, I've, I've had those moments too, where it's sort of like, it's hard, it's hard to get the motivation to, to be creative and to, to do things. I mean, I, I think of Bo Burnham's inside where like he, he takes us through that where he's like, yeah. you know, I, I guess, I guess maybe I'll try to be creative. We'll see. Um, but I, I don't know. I think, I don't think I ever thought of trying to learn new tricks, although I ended, I did end up doing that eventually. Um, but sort of at the early point, I was so focused on like, all right, I need to buckle down I need to, you know, make sure that I'm giving my all at WBUR. I, I, as I said, it sort of felt like the hours, the amount of hours I was working didn't increase, but the amount of work in those hours felt like it tripled. Yeah. I remember the first week feeling like it, it was a year long. And it, it, so. it's, it had to be like just the weight of it all. Like I, I had a friend who just like vanished for two years and then like she finally reached out and she's like, hey, I'm sorry, I've been kind of like missing, but you know. I work for the board of health and I'm like, Oh yeah. Like why would oh, I talk to you for two years? <laughs> You're far too busy. Oh, no. You know? 
it, it, yeah. it, it just, it was a weird time. It's still a weird time. It's yeah, it's still a weird time. I mean, I, I compartmentalize pretty well and I'm, I'm pretty introverted by nature as is. Um, I was having a conversation with someone this week and I was like, I am very comfortable alone with my thoughts most of the time. Um, so I, it didn't feel like the emotion of the time got to me. Um, it was just sort of the, just the stress of the work was the yeah. biggest thing. Um, and at, at this point, I feel pretty well adjusted with, with all of it. Cause I mean, during the winter, which is when you most don't want to go out, you know, and, and, you know, be with people because of COVID is also here in Boston. You don't want to go out cause it's ducking cold. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> so. terrible out. Um, so if you, I, I should ask, do you have kids? And if you do, like, are you going to encourage them to a creative field, to a more academic field or balance in between the two? So I don't have kids right now. It's something we've talked about. And if we have kids, I think, um, I think I would encourage them to perform just because it's a great way to give yourself an advantage when you're young. Um, mm-hmm. You know, performing paid off my student loans. Uh, not that I had a ton to start with, um, but it paid off my student loans and yeah. that's, you know, that's pretty freaking huge, um, for, for our generation. So I think I would encourage them to perform if, if they can, but only if they want to, I think, I think whatever they want to do, provided it's not like, I don't know, go break into cars on the weekend. <laughs> I think I'll encourage them in whatever they want to pursue. Because I mean, it's, I was thinking about this the, the other day, I was talking to one of my friends from the Big Apple Circus who mm-hmm. he grew up fully in the circus, 18 years, lived on the circus lot, um, has since graduated and now works, I think, for Wikipedia, basically. Um, oh, the normal I, progression. I, yeah, you know, yeah. just like, you know, how you do. How you do, you know, the, yeah. the, cir- the circus to Wikipedia pipeline is an undercover story that needs to be addressed. <laughs> We're breaking it wide open here on the Nebriar podcast. There we go. Um, but he, so I was, I was thinking as he and I were hanging out, um, I was like, do I regret growing up in the circus? And I was like, no, I, it was, it was not always fun. It wasn't always easy, but the advantages it's given me now as a younger adult. And now as I guess a fully fledged adult, I'm in my thirties now um, have been far and beyond whatever, you know, emotional damage I suffered as a child. Um, and, and well worth it, you know, I'll take the money. Yeah. It's the one thing I think about as, you know, performing when I was, you know, I was in theater and a musician and whatnot when I was younger is, you know, I always hear that like, Oh, my number one fear is like public speaking or whatever. And that doesn't bother me at all. Like, yeah, it's just kind of second nature at this point, a one-on-one conversation, totally different story. Yep. But being on stage, I'm like, whatever, doesn't bother me. Yeah, it's, it's, I've always, it's part of the reason I started playing accordion, um, which I'm still not very good at. I was going to say, you play accordion? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The fact that you're not aware of that indicates how good I am and how much confidence (laughs) I feel actually putting that out there. Yeah. So I use it mostly for a lot of festivals want you to do street work. They want you to walk around, interact with people. Okay. And like you, like, I'm like, I don't want to have to talk to people when I'm not on stage. Like I'm, I'm doing my contracted funny on stage. That's where yeah. I do my best work. And so I was like, if I, if I just do like a walk around while playing the accordion, um, I don't have to talk to people. I can still say I'm entertaining people and I can tell people that 
I can't talk and play at the same time, which yeah. is true. Sorry, I can't uh, hear you. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I, uh, the problem is, is it turns into this like awkward, weird mix between like me trying to nod and smile, but also listen to what I'm playing, which just like kind of makes me look crazy as people are talking to me. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, okay. That's funny. Yeah. I, yeah. I brought this up on uh, the, the last interview I recorded and you just made me think of it as an accordion. And I'm going to give this guy a plug because I think everyone should be watching him. He's on um, TikTok because TikTok's a thing now and makes where, me feel where you gotta incredibly be. old. But uh, I think his name is, oh my God, I'm, I want to plug him and I can't, Dil- Dylan Hollis, I think is his name. And he is a piano and accordion player. But on TikTok, he makes recipes out of cookbooks from like 1950s and earlier. Oh, no. It's like sauerkraut chocolate cake and water pie. And it is fascinating and entertaining to watch. That that all sounds terrible. One. Um, And I'm reminded of the the Captain America Civil, uh, not Civil War, Winter Soldier quote. Where they're like, what's what's it like now? I haven't been frozen for seven years. And he's like, like, (laughs) food's a lot better now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And and then you go online, you see how he's got like that multiple different notebooks of people telling him to check different things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, nice. Uh, Jack, I want to say thank you for coming on the show. Where can people go uh, to hear your uh, news program? Uh, It's a midday show, right? So the news, I'm on the air 949 to 4 most days. Um, yep. You can hear that at 90.9 WBUR uh, FM. Uh, you can also hear it on WBUR.org or wherever you are in the country. If your local public radio station takes here and now, uh, most days you will hear me delivering national headline breaks 18 minutes and 38 minutes past the hour. Wow. And will you be back at uh, King Richard's Fair this coming year? I will be back. So we actually just signed a two-year contract. So I'll be back in 22 and 23. And uh, my whole list of shows that I'm doing, because I am I just added the Maryland, uh, weekend at the Maryland Fair this year. Mm-hmm. Full um, up-to-date show schedule is at jackthewhipper.com. And for those of us who can't spell, that's W-H-I-P-P-E-R. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yes. It's the Americanized version of my French name, Jack yeah. the Whipper. Yeah, that was that. I think that was the part that made me laugh. One of the hardest uh, when you're like, "I'm not Jack the Wiper," and I'm like, oh, "Yeah, it's dyslexic people is their oh, struggles yes. real?" Yeah. Oh my god! Like it's, <laughs> it's at the point where people people have actually started trolling me online. Someone called me Zaquez the Wiper. <laughs> you know? All right. I I I, I guess I asked for that. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, again, thank you, man, for coming on the show. Uh, thank you, Hannah, for sitting in. You're and uh, if you guys want to hear more from Hannah, go check out the old colony cast. It's a lot of fun. She informs me about all things Plymouth and surrounding areas. And I generally jump ahead in whatever note she has, just because I'm a terrible human being. <laughs> now your timing has gotten much better. Yeah, I'm sure it'll get worse. We're getting there. And uh, we'll catch everybody again next week. And thanks for checking out the show today, listeners. Uh, if you enjoyed the content today, you can go over to patreon.com slash to support the show. You can join over there for just a few dollars a month and help us provide this fun content that you just checked out. You can also email us at inebriart.com with your questions, complaints, and concerns, or you can find us on all social medias at inebriart or at inebriart6 on Instagram. And also don't forget to check out our other shows, Bar Talk Podcast, 
Old Colony cast, Inebriart, and all the other shows on the Inebriart Network, which you can find at inebriart.com. Thanks again for listening.